Happy New Year, everyone. Hadn't seen you since last year. Seems longer. Are you ready to worship with me? Hallelujah. Gonna enter into his presence. It's a new day. It's a new year. It's a new praise service. Ready?
of a song that we sing we're not doing today but a song that says you were broken you were beaten you were punished and I go free doesn't seem right but that's how much he loved us that he took the punishment for us amen he did well I was worshiping I haven't done this in a very long time so I was very hesitant to get up, but I want to tell you that while I was worshiping, these words came to me. There's deliverance in the house today. The deliverer is in the house today. The deliverer is in the house today. The deliverer is in the house today. And the name of the deliverer is Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, if you are bound by anything, I don't care what it is. I don't care what's got you held up. 
where you cannot worship the Lord in freedom, that you cannot walk with the Lord in truth, that you are bound up by some sin or some habit or some addiction or something that keeps you down. It could be depression. It could be, it could be an illness that has got you bound. It's, it, could be, it could be something like, like cigarettes or, or, or alcohol or drugs or, or pornography or some secret sin. It could not be sin at all, but just something that has just held you in bondage today. 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 Today is not only the day of salvation. Today is the day of deliverance. If you want to be set free today, come to the front. Come to the front. This is an expression of your faith that you are ready to receive. You know, some of you are bound up by a grief that you cannot let go of, that just has you held up. I need some altar workers. Come and pray with these people because Jesus is going to set them free today. If you believe that, if you are a believer that Jesus wants to set these people free and you are an intercessor, come and pray with these people today. Come and pray. Come and pray. Let's see some deliverance today. And you who are at the altar, ask for the deliverance. Ask the deliverer for your deliverance. And believe that you will receive and be willing to lay it down at the cross. In the name of Jesus. Brother Blaine, go pray with some people, please. Brother. Hallelujah. 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 I need a, a, a lady intercessor to come and pray here. Kelly, Kelly, come pray here. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone that doesn't have someone praying with them? Needs an intercessor. I need a man. An intercessor here. Thank you, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Is there anyone else? Something's got you held up. I need a, a, a lady intercessor. Lisa, can you? Thank you, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus is in the house today. He's moving mightily, moving mightily in our midst right now. If you are grieving someone today, grieving the loss of someone today, lift up your hand. People around you will come and pray for you. Just lift your hand. Need someone praying here.
It's a new beginning. It's a time for you to start over. It's a time for me, for you to start over with me. This is your day. This is your time. This is your hour. The deliverer is here. The healer is here. And the Savior is here. If you have never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, today is your day. Today is your day. You can come now and you can ask him to save you, to deliver you, to heal you, and to redeem you. And ask him to be Lord of your life. Repent of your sins and ask him to be Lord of your life. Today's your day. Perhaps you used to walk with God, but you've let it sort of slide away from you. You've backslidden. You've walked backwards. But today, today you want to start this new year right, walking with God. Today's your day. This is the hour. This is the time. If that's you, come stand before this pulpit. Someone will come and pray with you. Father, we speak healing. We speak deliverance. We speak salvation. We speak the fullness of the Holy Spirit in this place. Manifest your presence in a mighty way. Lord, touch us deeply. Revive us, restore us, renew us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we know that there are many who are at home sick. Many who are at home in in bondage. Many who are at home who are hurting today. Who cannot be here. Who have chosen not to be here. We ask that you would send your word and heal them. And set them free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we send the word. Let faith arise in their hearts to receive from you today, Lord. In Jesus' name.
Hallelujah. Happy New Year. Boy, it's a good way to start the new year in the presence of God, isn't it? To, to hear the Lord already speaking to us, already touching us, already uh, manifesting His power and His goodness and His grace in our midst. It's a wonderful, wonderful way to start the new year. I, my wife and I have been on vacation for about the last 10 days, I guess, it, Seemed like it's been forever. I told a couple of people before church this morning, I'm, I feel like I haven't preached in a long, long, long time, even though it's only been, only missed one Sunday. But it feels like it's been a long time. And so, consequently, I'm just a little bit nervous. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I've only been doing this 35 years or so, so. Nothing unusual about being nervous after such a short time in the ministry. I also feel like if you didn't ever get nervous about preaching, you might be relying too much on yourself and not enough on the Holy Spirit. But I do believe that I have a word from the Lord for us at New Hope Fellowship this morning, not just a generic word that could apply to anybody and everybody, even though it could, but I believe this is a word from the Lord for today, and it comes from Ephesians chapter number 4, and I want to begin reading in verse number 11, and while you're opening your Bible and turning to Ephesians chapter 4, let me tell you that this year, I'm going to be doing my personal Bible reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. This is a translation of the Bible that I've never read in its entirety before. Done very little reading in it, even in sections. But when I was, after I finished reading the scripture again for last year, I was looking for some different translation to read in between mid-November and the end of the year. And I opened the Holman Christian Standard Bible and I enjoyed what I was reading. It is a modern translation of the Bible, so it will read a more contemporary English than what you might be accustomed to, but I'm going to be reading it. So you will hear me refer to that throughout the year as I, as I preach and read and study. I will assure you of this, if I find some things in there that I find just don't seem very sound and solid to me in King James. Some of you remember him. <laughs> I will put that aside and go back. <laughs> To, a, to another translation, but just to help you get started with me this year, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. And it reads this way, you are there, Ephesians chapter 4, and you've already got out your Holman Christian Standard Bible, so you're ready to... 
No, you, you, could, you could follow along in whatever translation you're reading, and, and I believe the word will come out the same. Ephesians 4, 11, and he, talking about Jesus, personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints and the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith. Mark that phrase. That's the title of the message today. Till we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will be no longer, then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness and techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love and by the proper working of each individual part. Lord, I pray today for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the touch of God as I bring forth this message from your holy word. Open the ears and open the hearts that we might all hear from God today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ed, that air is a little bit cold blowing on me from, from right there. That's the, that's the one. If you would help me with that. Amen. I have, a, I have an objective that I'm pursuing this year, and I invite you, I encourage you, and I challenge you to join with me in this pursuit. And it will be a challenge. Don't think that it won't be. But I encourage you to join this pursuit with me. And that objective that I'm pursuing this year is that we all come to the unity of the faith. Now, it's also important that we begin by understanding what this unity of the faith is. So let me lay this out for you first of all. The unity of the faith. It is, it is first of all, it is unity of the faith. Do you see that in your scripture? The unity of the faith. Not just unity of faith, not just unified by faith, but unity of the faith. And as the scripture refers to it in another place, the faith once delivered to all of the saints. One faith for all, okay? The faith. So it's the unity of the faith, not just faith. What does that refer to? What is that 
telling us to strive to attain, to achieve. Well, my friend Lewis Bartet, you're going to love Lewis this year because I'm going to be referring to him quite a bit because he is a man of God that I have really come to admire and respect, and his understanding of the Scripture is tremendous. And between he and my other friend Robert Smith, I'm going to learn something about the Bible. Amen. These are two men of God who have studied the Scripture deeply, and I enjoy learning from him. But when it comes to the unity of the faith, Lou says that it refers to the content of our faith. The content of our faith, a, 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 a person that I'm just beginning to, to, to come to know, not personally, but in studying some of the things that, that have been written, is, is Sandy Simpson. And Sandy is part of, Brother Jimmy, an apologetics team that studies Scripture in order to defend Scripture to those who might refute those things that we believe. And Sandy Simpson says that that unity of the faith is talking about coming to a common understanding and a common practice of the core truths that are taught in the Bible. Handed, handed down to us, by the way, from the Lord Jesus Christ and his apostles as they wrote it in the scripture. So it is a, it is a common understanding of the content of our faith. My non-scholarly translation of this concept of unity in the faith is this simply put, by the way, it has to be simple for me to grasp it. So simply put, unity of the faith is believing the same thing about what the Bible teaches. Amen. That's what I'm talking about us pursuing at New Hope Fellowship this year, 2015, for us to all come to the unity of the faith. So now that we know what we're talking about, to me the very next issue is, okay, how do we do that? How do we pursue that? How do we come to this unity of the faith that you are describing? Well, let me remind you in, in going into this just before Christmas, as a matter of fact, I think it was the Sunday before our Christmas celebration, I preached another sermon out of Ephesians chapter 4 on the unity of the Spirit. Anybody remember me preaching on the unity of the Spirit? Okay, you, you four are doing great, okay? Everybody else, I'm going to preach that again next Sunday. No, I can't next Sunday, Rich, because we have a, a guest, so you may have to wait. Okay, there, there's this huge distinction. Distinction. Well, there are several, but there's one really main difference between the unity of the Spirit and the unity of the faith. The unity of the Spirit is given to us. When we are born again and the Holy Spirit moves inside of us, we are bound together with the rest of the body of Christ and we are in this unity of the Spirit because the same Holy Spirit dwells in all of us. And our endeavor concerning the unity of the Spirit is to protect that unity. 
And that was the essence of that message that I preached that so many of you don't remember. But now you have the gist of it. So when it comes to the unity of the Spirit, we are to protect that. But when it comes to the unity of the faith, that's not it at all. It's not something that we are, that we are, are just given. And that just because we're saved, we all believe the same thing. And many of you know, if we all believe the same thing, everybody in Eunice would be here at New Hope Assembly this morning. New Hope Fellowship, wherever we are. <laughs> Actually, we wouldn't be because this building wouldn't hold everybody. Amen? And, and, and this is hard to believe, but everybody wouldn't be here because not everybody likes me. Ooh, you didn't know that, did you? <laughs> Revelation time this morning. Amen? Oh, I better move on, brother. <laughs> I feel good, man. I, I feel good. I'm like you. I'm comfortable now in the pulpit. The nerves are gone, and the saints are not playing, so there's no hurry. We can, we can just enjoy being in the presence of God as long as I want us to. That went over big, didn't it? The unity of the faith is not something that's given to us. It is something that we have to pursue. It is something that we have to attain to. It's something that we have to reach out for. It's something that we have to be grasped. And then once we have attained it, then we have to contend for it. Meaning, we, thank you, brother, we have, to, we have to stand against those false doctrines that try to come into the church from time to time. So... In this distinction concerning the unity of the Spirit and the unity of the faith, and we're looking at how do we attain to the unity of the faith, what steps do we have to take to pursue this? Well, here's another one of those simple and yet, I think, profound steps that we have to take. The unity of the faith is, first of all, taught and caught. Now that's where Ephesians chapter 4 comes in. He gave all of these different ministry gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for this two purposes. Maybe one. Maybe one A and one B. To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ until we reach this unity of the faith. Until we all believe the same thing about what the Bible teaches. Amen. And we, we, have to, we have to strive for this. Again, my friend Lou says... It is something that we should strive for, but it is not easy to require. You know why? Because you and I can pick up the same book and read the same sentence and come away with two different understandings 
of what we just read. Some of us are especially gifted at confusing things. Others are especially gifted at misunderstanding things, which helps those with the gifts of confusing things. And they really work together well. Amen? So it's, it's not an easy thing to do, but it is worth the effort. Some people actually believe that this unity of the faith that I'm talking about here this morning is impossible to achieve. I contend, if it were impossible, then God would not have given five ministry gifts to help us get there. And even if it is impossible with men, it is possible with God. The things that are impossible for man are possible for God. Now, I do grant you this. It is impossible for man to achieve this by simply our own efforts. Again, because I can read, the, you and I can read the same thing and not come away with the same meaning. So you cannot leave God out of this effort. God, the, the, the same Holy Spirit that inspired the Scripture has got to work in our understanding of the Scripture. Amen? But I believe it's not impossible to attain to the unity of the faith. So my objective, again, this year is to bring us to the unity of the faith by the teaching and preaching of God's Word again and again and again and again and again until we get it. And we get it the same. Because we believe it the same. And even though the, these, this so-called five-fold ministry, their, their purpose is, is to bring us to the, to the unity of the faith, it is the ministry of the pastor-teacher, which is what I am. To, to be, I am responsible for doing this in this local congregation. This is my primary calling. And I believe that these are my primary gifts, even though I, I have others, like the gift of suspicion. I suspect that right now some of you are doubting what I'm saying. I better move on again. It's not impossible. Go back. Let me go back to Simpson again for just a minute, who said, Those who are entrusted with overseeing the church of Jesus Christ have a God-given responsibility to bring the flock into unity with the core doctrines 
of the faith. Responsibility. God-given responsibility. And if they are not doing that, but instead bringing winds of doctrine to bear on their flock, the Bible says this will cause disunity in the faith. Now some of you, no doubt, are thinking, I don't know if I can do this. The Bible is just too hard for me to understand. I, I, just, I just don't believe I can grasp all of this. Well, the Bible disagrees. The Bible teaches that you can understand all of these things. Every born-again believer can learn the basic elements of the faith. The core doctrines of the Bible. Every believer can do that. I believe that because Matthew chapter 13, 11, Jesus says, The secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know. Amen. Given to you. You're given the ability to know. Luke 24, 45, if that one scripture is not enough to convince you, in Luke 24, 45, the Bible says, Jesus opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. So you have the ability. You can pick up the Bible and you can read it and you can understand it. Now, let me, let me put this in here. This is, I think my wife said this one time. She said, this is free. It's not in the notes. I'm just going to give it to you, okay? It will probably help you to understand it if you will choose a translation that you can understand, Okay? It, everybody doesn't have to read the same translation to get the same message. Okay? They are, after all, translations of other languages anyway. Amen. Now, if you, want to, if you really want to read it the way it was written, then you need to learn New Testament Greek and Old Testament Hebrew. And you need to get you a Greek and Hebrew manuscript and you need to sit down there and read it in those languages. Otherwise, you will always be reading a translation of another language into English. So don't let anybody condemn you because you need a more contemporary translation of the Scripture than, than what you might get. And I know I speak a lot about the, the King James translation, but that's not the only older translation. I mean, you might, you might uh, look at the American Standard Bible, and it doesn't read much difference. You might look at the English Standard Version. It might read a little bit different. The, the issue is, is it true to the message of the original? Okay, now sometime maybe I'll speak on how you know that. I don't. I, that's not really what I want to get to today. I want to talk about. I want to. I don't know what I want to talk about. Let me look. 
He opened their understanding to understand the Scriptures. But here's what, listen, this is what, got to grasp this one thing right here too, okay? There are some difficult teachings in the Bible. How many of you have, have found that out? There are some things in there hard to understand. I always laugh at Peter. Peter said some of the things that Paul wrote were hard to understand. And he says that after he talks about this thing about Jesus going down into, into the, the lower parts and preaching to, to, to the spirits that were in prison. Come on, Peter. You think Paul is hard to understand? What does that mean? He preached to the spirits in prison. Now, you go figure it out and you come tell me and then I'll preach it to the congregation. And we'll both do good. I mean, it's, some of it is hard to understand, but here's what you got to grasp. This is what you got to grasp. The more difficult the teaching is to grasp, the more diligent we must be to grasp it. If you read it and you don't understand it, don't throw it away. Hold on to it and go back to it again. And again, as often as it takes, go to someone else and say, hey, let's help me understand this. Go to a teacher of the scripture and say, what does this mean? I'm struggling with this. But don't just throw it away. It is, after all, the word of God. We must not be like those followers who turned away from following Jesus because one of his teachings was hard to grasp. What does he mean? He's the bread from heaven. What does he mean? We have to drink his blood and eat his body. This is too hard. I'm going somewhere else. We can't be that way. The more difficult it is to grasp, the more diligent we have to be to get a hold of it. So where do we start? We want to be in unity. Where do we start? That's simple. With the foundations. The very basics. Those doctrines that support everything else. Jesus taught us to dig deep and build on, on rock solid foundations of his word. And then when those winds, and could I say those winds of doctrine that want to blow us all away, when they come, we'll be able to stand upon the good, solid foundation of the Bible's teaching. Amen. Where do we start right here at New Hope Fellowship? Let's begin with, with the pursuit of our four principal, core, what we call cardinal doctrines. Here at New Hope Fellowship and throughout the Assemblies of God, we have four core doctrines. And what I'm asking you to do this year is go with me in pursuit of the unity of the faith concerning these four doctrines. Not all, not all the Assemblies have 16 fundamental truths. Not addressing all 16 of those. Not asking you to agree with all six of those. Yet, 16. Yet, but I am asking you to go with me and let's pursue these four doctrines and, and see if in the course of this year we cannot agree in our understanding.
of what the Bible teaches about these. These four cardinal doctrines are, number one, salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It starts right there. Without that, the rest of this doesn't mean anything. It is, it is salvation through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and we've, we've seen this in action today when we talk about the, 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 this truth of salvation. It also brings deliverance, healings, restored lives, all of these things. And we need a good, solid, biblical understanding of salvation. Cannot, we cannot just twist this thing around to make it the way we want it to be. It's got to be what the Bible says. And it's got, it's got to include truths like what Jesus told Nicodemus. You've got to be born again. He explained that a little bit. He said that means born of the Spirit. There's got to be a work of the Holy Spirit in you. Otherwise, you can't see the kingdom of God. You can't even enter the kingdom of God. Amen. But when you are born again, all these other things begin to come into play. They become important. They become basic to our faith. We have to be saved. One of our officers of the assemblies in, in Springfield, Missouri says, are there ever really any second chances in life? Surprisingly, the answer is yes. The Bible calls it salvation. Yes, salvation is God's second chance for every one of us. Born again, number one. Number two, Number two, <laughs> the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is one of the things, by the way, that, that makes us distinctive. It is, it is when we receive the power of God to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. When we're what the Bible calls being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is, it is this truth that, it, that explains to us the passion and the power of our witness. You shall receive power, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. And we believe that, that the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is just as relevant and just as important to the church today as it was on the day of Pentecost. Thank you for that amen. amen. Alton Garrison said the baptism in the Holy Spirit provides the believer with an empowering for witnessing and to live a life pleasing to God. Number three, divine healing. How many of you believe the Lord continues to heal today? And it's important, it's vital that the church continues to, to preach and teach and practice this biblical truth. God is the healer. 
And the Bible teaches us, instructs us, that our part in that is to pray and let God do the healing. Doug Clay says, Christ's death on the cross not only provides for forgiveness of sins, but also healing for sickness. The one who gave you the gift of eternal life is the same one who can heal your body. I don't find these things hard to agree with at this point, do you? Salvation, baptism in the Holy Spirit, healing, and the other gifts of the Spirit too, by the way. Thank God that when we need it, there's a word of prophecy. Thank God when we need it, there's a word of wisdom. Thank God when we need it, there's discerning of spirits that we know what we're dealing with. Amen? All of those still operate, still function in the church today. Thank God that they do. And then the, the fourth cardinal doctrine, the fourth core doctrine is the second coming of Christ. Hey, Jesus is coming again. Amen. Amen. There, there's a day. That God has already selected. We don't know what it is. He hasn't told us. But he's chosen a day. And he's coming again. And, and it is that hope. That helps us survive what this world is like today. Why would we want to live tomorrow if there's no hope of it being any different or any better than today? I can understand people who say, if this is all there is, I don't want any part of it. But we've got a hope. We've got a certainty of the faith that says, this is not all it is. Brother Randy, I look forward to that day because when he comes again, that walker is going to be history. Amen. That pain is going to be history. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother Don, that pain is going to be history. It's going to be gone. Amen. It's going to be, we have a hope. We have something to look forward to. Jesus is coming again, and he's introducing a whole new way of life. Thank you, Lord. Dr. George Wood, our general superintendent, says, As followers of the risen Lord Jesus, we have the assurance of a wonderful hope, a reunion with our saved loved ones, and more importantly, with our Savior. We call this our blessed hope. Mm, come Lord Jesus, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. Come Lord Jesus. I find that there are three things that are required of us if we're going to attain to this unity of the faith concerning these four doctrines. The first one, I, I, I'd be hard to overstress the importance of this one. 
Because this one thing really gets in the way, and I'll say more about that in a few minutes. First, we must value truth more than personal experience and emotions. We have a tendency to substitute our personal experience for what the Bible teaches. I remember an evangelist or a missionary maybe speaking at our church in Plaquemine and talking about that when he went on a trip to a, to a country, I can't remember if it was Africa or South America, but he was in the service and, and, and when they would pray for people to get filled with the Holy Spirit, and every time someone would get filled with the Holy Spirit, they'd go, Woo! Everybody to a person. And he was trying to figure out why. And finally he talked to the local pastor. And the pastor said, well, I guess it's my fault. He said, because I told him when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I did, woo! <laughs> so they thought that's what they had to do when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Personal experience. I don't think there's a woo in the Bible <laughs> related to, <laughs> to this experience. It's okay if you prove me wrong, but I can tell you one thing. For years, I based my personal belief about the baptism of the Holy Spirit on my personal experience, or rather my lack of personal experience. My testimony was, I asked God one time to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Nothing happened. Therefore, it must not be true. In that, huh? Yeah, brought about backsliding. It's hard to disagree with the Bible and be faithful to God. Hello. We have to value truth, and that means God's word over personal experience and our own feelings. Second, we do have to prayerfully interact with others through teaching and discussion of these doctrines. They don't just dawn on us one day while we're walking through Walmart. There's more to it than that. You've got to get out the Word. You've got to read the Word. You've got to study the Word. God gave you a pastor and a teacher and other pastors and other teachers and ministers and evangelists and prophets to show you what the Word of God means so we can strive for this unity. And, and, and when, when you miss church, you miss some of that teaching that you need to come into the unity of the faith with the other believers. And it is, it is, I'm really looking forward to January because I love our small group men's discussions of the Bible that we have on Wednesday nights. And it just, and it really is just that. It, it's, it's, a, it's a discussion. There's no teacher. This is what I say and this is the way it is. No. What do you think about this? What is this verse saying to you? How do you interpret this? And you get all this interaction, this discussion about what the Bible is trying to teach us. 
And then I guess I already mentioned this. Third, we have to personally and privately study the scriptures to see if these things are really so. Amen. And I'm going to ask you to do that all year this year. If I preach on healing, go home and get your Bible and tell me it. Go back and look and see, did the Bible really say that? Did Jesus really do that? Did Paul really do that? Did Peter's shadow really fall on people and they got healed? Did that, is that true? Go home and find out for yourself. Just because somebody can stand in a pulpit and tell you something doesn't mean you're absolved of your responsibility before God to find out if it's truth. I'm trying to move along. No, never mind. I forgot. I don't have to. <laughs> there, are, there are some hindrances that we have to be ready to face in striving for the unity of the faith. One of those is false teachers and false teachings. Not everybody rightly divides the word of truth. You've got to be, you've got to be aware of that. And in the Bible, those who don't rightly divide the word of truth and don't properly preach the gospel, they're called heretics or they're called divisive ones. They cause division. You know what the Bible tells us to do with false teachers? Once they've been warned a couple of times, then we are to, uh, we are to reject those men who teach false doctrines because they bring disunity into the faith. When, here's one of the problems with false teachings and false teachers. These things get into the church, and, and it can cause our faith to become shipwrecked. Yes, go, go see what happened, what Paul said happened to Hymenaeus and Alexander. Their faith became shipwrecked. So false teachers and false teaching, I really am going to move ahead a little bit. I already mentioned this. To me, again, one of the great hindrances to the unity of the faith is is personal experience. This is what happened to me. This is the way I did it. This is the way God did it for me. So So he's got to do it for you that way. What what really matters. Is not what what we experience, even though that, I mean, we don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We all have experiences with God, don't we? Amen. Amen. If you're born again, you've had the most important one already. But there are others, but, but that even that personal experience doesn't take the Scripture, take the place of Scripture. We're t- what I'm talking about, when we're talk, remember, we're talking about the unity of the faith. We're talking about sound doctrine. Sound biblical teaching. A lot of people today have taken that word doctrine and tried to make it mean dirty. That's not what it means. Doctrine's not dirty. Doctrine is teaching. That's all it is. The word means teaching. So it's either good teaching or it's bad teaching. Teaching in and of itself is not bad. Teaching the truth is good. Teaching false doctrine is bad. Teaching heresy is bad. So don't throw something out just because I or somebody else uses the word doctrine. 
There's nothing wrong with doctrine. Somebody said, if your doctrine's not correct, your experience will not be correct either. Paul was telling the Ephesians, and this is what we're trying to get across here today. Doctrine is the most important thing. Teaching. Because it forms what you believe. And what you believe forms your life. And forms your character. Just one last thing. I can't say all of this and then not say something about the, the benefit to the local church and to us as individual believers about the unity of the faith. What benefit is there in the unity of the faith? Well, I can tell you, number one, there will be no more being carried about by every wind of doctrine. When you don't, when you don't have this... Uh, common understanding, this unified faith, these unified beliefs about what the Bible teaches, you're going to end up like being on the ocean in a boat without a rudder. You can go here this week and there next week and there next week and there the next time and there the next time. And you're really going to end up not going anywhere unless you do end up like Hymenaeus and Alexander and you're shipwrecked. And then you really are going nowhere. You don't want to be on a ship without a rudder. And you don't want to just... just Because somebody preaches something that really makes you feel good doesn't mean it's sound doctrine. One of my friends who was a pastor up in Mississippi at one time said, said, it doesn't matter. You shouldn't even be looking for something to tickle your fancy. Something to challenge your spirit and stir your heart and draw you closer to the truth of God's word. That's what we should be looking for. No more carried about by every wind of doctrine. And no more being deceived by the cunning craftiness of men. Folks, we have to beware of enticing words of man's wisdom. Just for instance, and I, I'm sorry, I probably harp on this, but so many people have been hurt by things like this. You do not have to be deceived. I'm going to read this because I want to make sure I get it right. I want to make sure you get it. You do not have to be deceived by those who teach that the best thing you can do for yourself is to make them rich. Can I say that again? Don't be deceived by those enticing words of man, man's wisdom who teach you that the best thing you can do for yourself is to make them rich. Maybe I should take up an offering. <laughs> and y'all can make me rich and then you can go home and be blessed. <laughs> or be poor. <laughs> he 
It ain't biblical. Moving right along. Paul wrote to Timothy about deception. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said, Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus made it very simple for me. Luke chapter 21 and verse 8, he said, Don't let yourself be deceived. The only way not to be deceived is to know the truth. Just one last benefit. Brother Chucky, if you guys are ready to help me, is that when we come to the unity of the faith, then we can enjoy, we can grow, we can be multiplied by that which every part of the body supplies. God has gifted you to do something for Him, for His church, and for His kingdom. And we, as we strive towards the unity of the faith, we come to the place where each of us can supply a measurable part to the growth and to the health of the church. A measurable part. You can say, I led somebody to this salvation. I led somebody to the Lord. I prayed with somebody and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. I prayed with someone and the Lord healed them. I encouraged somebody by sharing with them the hope that Jesus is coming again. I did my part because I led a discussion of the Bible one day for some people who were trying to understand the Scriptures. I did something for the Lord because I met with somebody at the altar and I prayed with them about their need and God met their need. I'm talking about doing not simply invisible things and intangible things, but touchable, measurable things because God has gifted us to do that. And we see these things happen more greatly. Not, not when we necessarily attain to the unity of the faith, but when we are striving for the unity of the faith. Now, I'm not talking about being like those in the Bible that were ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. I'm talking about those who are learning and growing in truth as they learn and bringing something to the body. Amen? Amen. So I want to ask this question. Who's here today 
that'll join me in this pursuit this year. I want to be in the unity of the faith with everybody. You don't have to get up. Just I want, to, I want to learn these things. I want to be in the unity of the faith. Help me. Teach me. Show me. Lead me. Provide what I need to know. Oh, God. I thank you for every sincere heart that's striving to not only know you, but to know the great doctrines of the Bible and to learn them in the unity of the Spirit so that we might come to the unity of the faith here at New Hope Fellowship. That we might all say the same thing, teach the same thing, and live the same thing. And that is the truth of God's Word. Hallelujah. One opportunity before we leave this morning. I can't think of a better way to begin a new year than with a new life. And that new life comes in Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you need to receive Him as the Lord and Savior of your life, then I want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor Woody, I need that life. I'm looking for Jesus. I want Him to save me. I want to serve Him. And if you'll raise your hand, we'll pray with you before we leave today. I need Jesus today. Anybody? I need Jesus today. Hallelujah. I see one hand. You can put it back down. Anybody else? I need Jesus today. Let's stand. Let's pray. You raised your hand just right there where you're standing. Just pray this prayer with me this morning. And let's all pray this just to encourage her and stand with her in her moment of salvation. Pray and say, Heavenly Father, I have sinned. I ask for forgiveness. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he was buried. And I believe he rose again. I confess with my mouth that he is Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Would you? Amen. Hallelujah. Would you come and meet my wife for just a second? She has some things to give you before we leave here today and some things to encourage you. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you and give you peace in the name of Jesus. Amen.